Thank you, Joel. Let's thank God for Joel as he makes his way out. We thank you for everyone that's here present, and I know many people are watching us through the live stream, and we're still united because at the same time, we know that the body of Christ is not a building. It's the people uh, that love Jesus, so we're still connected. I do have a couple announcements. I know um, pretty much... Uh, we had a little miscommunication. I know jo um, Joel, um, Joel made a couple announcements. There's been a couple little bit of uh, changes done, and obviously things change pretty quickly. Um, one of the changes was made this morning, and I really just heard it myself, the final decision. So I forgot to let uh, Joel know the final decision, so he announced it. Um, but just to give you an example that between now and April 1st, um, we're postponing and canceling certain things. So, some of our regular, smaller uh, events or different things that we're doing, like, for example, the men's breakfast, we're going to postpone it. Uh, one of the big ones, of course, is the women's retreat, and it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen in the dates that we pretty much highlighted and that we have it in our calendar. We're going to postpone it as well, uh, simply because of all the recommendations done overall. And we'll keep everyone updated and posted on any changes. And obviously, we're monitoring, monitoring everything every single day. So that's why it's important to do the texting, to check us out on Facebook, to check out emails, um, because there's certain things that we will be changing. But we do want to let everyone know that's here and everyone that's watching through our live stream that we will be still here every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the morning. We will continue having services. Now, the reason being is because we want to be able to live stream a message. So even if it's just me or another pastor or teacher, we'll be here live streaming a message and the worship team let's thank God for the worship team as well they they came of course extra early just to be able to have worship so even the worship team even if we have to transition to an acoustic set whatever we have to do rest assured on Sunday morning we will be here and we will do a teaching and we will have worship before, um, before because we're going to continue ministering, impacting lives, loving God, making disciples, and changing the world. There is something I do want to let you know, though. Um, it's, we'll keep you posted when we decide to make this transition. But if we feel as though things might be getting a little bit uh, worse when it comes to the... Um, what's happening out there and also the recommendations given to us, something that we will do to just accommodate the church, we are looking to transition our community groups that meet during the week to meet on Sunday morning, okay? And I'll explain why. The big concern with, uh, with pretty much this, uh, the whole virus and prevention is large gatherings, uh, that's why the governor recommended any gathering over 250 to, he recommends not having. And just to let you know, we're under 250 right now, so you could uh, be at ease. But of course, our trust is, is in Jesus. But because large gatherings is the concern, what we want to do is have community groups meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 in the morning throughout the city, throughout the county. Those are small groups. 
of like five to 10 people, five to 12 people, where they'll be able to meet. And when they meet together on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., they'll be live streaming the teaching and the worship, but you'll be doing it together in a small group. And as a small group leader, they'll be guiding you with questions and everything at a certain point as well. So we'll keep you posted. The main thing is to stay connected. And obviously the most important thing is to stay connected to Jesus. Now, I want to let you know too, and we posted a video, one, uh, we, you know, we encourage you to do what you have to do. You know what you have to do to take care of yourself, wash your hands, use hand sanitizers. We have them throughout the building. Um, you know, do what you have to do when it comes to that. Also, here when it comes to our church services, if you're not feeling well, don't feel bad. You could stay home. You could watch the live stream and still be connected. And if there's someone in your family that's not feeling well, we also recommend for you to be comfortable at home and watch the live stream as well. And if you have any underlying medical conditions, you, uh, we recommend that you stay home. But ultimately, it's your decision. You decide what's best for you in this process. Um, how I mentioned too, we're monitoring everything. We're postponing or canceling the smaller things between now and April 1st. Sunday mornings, we're here. We're, we will be here. In addition to that, on Wednesday evening, we will be posting something on social media to, uh, just because normally we have community groups that meet during the week, we will be doing something through social media on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. So like that, we'll let you know where to link up and where to stay connected, but we're doing something special for that, so you don't want to forget about that. And some of you, uh, some, of, uh, some people that might be at home watching, if you're part of a family this is a, uh, and you decide to stay at home, make this a family thing. Not just the parents sitting around the laptop or, you know, the iPad or the TV watching the teaching and the service. With your kids and the family, do this together as we stay connected. So those are just a couple updates I wanted to let you know. And stay tuned. Do the text message. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. When you came inside church today, you should have received this insert. And for those of you watching through the live stream, we're going to post it there later today so you could get it as well it gives you all the main ways to stay connected to our church so we're switching things up a little bit this morning when it comes to the teaching we're talking about something else and i want to start off by telling you if we would do a gallup poll now we probably would see things a little bit different but in the past one of the latest gallup polls pretty much ask people what are their greatest fears, okay? So I just want to start off um, pretty much going from number five and we'll make our way to number one. And some of you might think of these things or maybe you might have a couple of these fears, but number five is the dark. You'll see the picture there. Oh, no. There, thank you. Some people are afraid of the dark Number five, okay? Anyone here? 
I know you don't want to raise your hand. And those of you watching through the live stream, you'll probably raise your hand, but no one can see if you're raising your hand. So you're good, you're good. But some of you guys are afraid of the dark. I see Riley in the back. He's going like this. He's like a little bit like this, you know, like uh, afraid of the dark. So that's number five. Number four is tight spaces, okay? Tight space. I don't know if you can look in that picture, but there's a guy there trying to crawl to that, through that space. How, how many of you just looking at that picture got a little nervous? A little nervous, you know what I mean? How many of you have gotten really nervous in an MRI machine? It's like all of a sudden you go and, and you... You know, you probably ate something, like, you know, to calm yourself down. You had a macchiato from Starbucks or whatever. You drank something. You, you go into the MRI machine. You're like, I could do this. You're breathing. You're breathing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the sledgehammering ha starts. It's like that bomb, bomb, bomb. All of a sudden, you hear that. And then you're like, it's not that bad. And then the moment you decide to open your eyes. That's when all of a sudden you're like, ay, que cosa más grande. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you open your eyes and you feel like you're trapped. So some people are afraid of tight spaces. Number three, some people are afraid of heights. So I don't know if you're like that little kid right there. You know, you don't want to look the other way with the buildings. Uh, a couple hands went up. You know, when it comes to heights, it's not a good thing for you. That, that's a big thing. Another one, number two is public speaking. If someone puts a mic in front of you and you have to talk in front of other people, you know, it's like all of a sudden your heart is about to fall down. Um, I think I've shared this in the past, but throughout school, I was terrified, terrified to stand in front of class and share anything anything at all. So I completely understand the fear of talking like in front of other people. It's a real thing. And lastly, before you put it up, could anyone guess what the number one is? Back then, the Gallup poll, not today. Today, you probably have a different answer for today. But um, back then, when the poll was taken, the number one fear, could anyone guess? Fire, death, Did Poland? Oh, falling. I thought you said Poland or something. I was like, what do you have against Poland? <laughs> okay, falling. Actually, the number one in this poll was snakes. Snakes, number one. Now, we know that at this moment, if we would do this poll throughout the entire United States, and not only the United States, but throughout the entire country, I believe that the number one would be, the next picture, the coronavirus. I really believe, without question, people would choose the coronavirus as the greatest fear that's crippling people at this time. The greatest fear. And everyone here, in one way or another, we've been touched by the fear. Some of us might be crippled by it. Some of us might just respect it, and I'll go into that a little bit, but there's different levels to it, but we all know that the coronavirus has infiltrated the entire world, our systems, more than ever before. We've seen things shut down, um, closed shop, everyone's isolating themselves to a certain degree. They, they're, they're, they're pretty much fighting over toilet paper. I know 
It's getting violent over uh, charm, uh, what are the toilet paper. You know what I mean? Like, it's getting intense, and it's really because of a panic. A panic. And what we're going to talk about right now, too, and for us to realize, is that there's different stages of fear. Even for us to realize, too, in the Bible, I know a lot of times we see the word fear, but there's eight verbs, and there's also like four different nouns that's like translated that point towards the word fear. And just to give you an idea with that, it's just that there's different levels, different stages of what fear is. And we automatically might think it's like, hey, you know, it's like all fear is bad, but that's not true. Now, now right now, you're going to see four stages of fear right there. Stage one is respect. It's completely fine to respect something. Now, I'll give you an example. I respect fire. I respect fire. I love fire, but I respect fire. You know, a lot of times, Jen, she, she loves putting candles, you know, those Yankee candles, so everything could smell good because maybe I smell bad or something like that. I don't know why she's putting so many candles. But she, she puts the candles, and sometimes she's like, all right, I'm going upstairs. And she goes upstairs, and all I could see is that little flicker on that little candle. I was like, I'm going to blow you out before I go upstairs. I am determined. And sometimes I have to walk through the house just to make sure that every little candle that she lit, I blow out. Is it because I'm afraid, terrified, or I'm crippled or paralyzed by fear? Not at all. I respect it. I respect the potential of what it could do. I've seen houses many times in fire. Uh, like one of my neighbor's house down the street caught on fire. And when you see those flames, and I know we have a couple of firefighters uh, that are part of our church family. When you see those flames engulfing everything, you respect the potential of what it could do. So in that sense, you know, everything that's happening with the coronavirus as children of God, we shouldn't allow it to paralyze us, to cripple us, to, for it to fill us with worry to the point that we're fighting over toilet paper or hand sanitizer. And on the side note, obviously those things are great to have, but more importantly is God's presence. Like, you know, God's presence in your life is number one, and we should chase after the fact of being close to God. So all those things around us, they're, you know, it's important to have. But how I said, it's like, I'm not going to let fear cripple me, torment me, scare me, bring me to a panic, make me worry, make me stress. Like, uh, I, I know we even had a teaching with Elliot talking about, uh, like, sc uh, scarcity, like, um, like just being, feeling so everything's going to run out and stuff. God is the one that supplies for us. You know, it's not BJ's. It's not Costco. In the end of the day, like if all the food runs out in BJ and Costco, I believe a raven is going to drop some food in front of my house. Something is going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we have to trust God over everything. But at the same time, we don't allow the fear to cripple us. But at the same time, we respect what's happening. It would be foolish for us 
to see everything that's happening and saying, well, I just walk by faith and I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to lick every doorknob that I see. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going to rub everything I can. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's foolishness. Foolishness. You know, God tells us to walk by faith, but God also tells us to use wisdom. We have to use wisdom. So washing your hands for 30 seconds with hot water and soap is wisdom. It's not fear. Using hand sanitizer is wisdom. It's not fear, being in fear. You know, like choosing to have a greater amount of distance between people. It's wisdom during this time. It's not fear. Like, you know, and we can't allow fear to cripple us, but we need to apply wisdom in our lives. And that's for all of us. We need to do that. So, so here you see four stages. Number one is respect. We respect what is happening. And that, that is why as a church and, and the leadership, as elders too, we've made certain decisions to postpone and cancel certain things. But we will continue to worship God and give God all the glory through everything that's happening. Because... The number one thing that a fearful world needs is a fearless church at this time. Not a church that's crippled, that's afraid to pray, to worship God. The world doesn't need that. And believe me, the world is watching. The world is watching because all of us, our faith is being tested as well. It's like, what do we truly trust? Do we trust God more than hand sanitizer, uh, hand sanitizer, both of them are, of, of course, important, but God over everything, God over everything, our faith is in God. You know, we use wisdom, but our faith is in God. So number one is respect. We respect these things. Number, stage two is worried. God doesn't want us to worry. So already, if you're at stage two and you feel yourself just worrying about everything, instead of praying about everything, then all of a sudden you're slipping. And let me tell you, it's like quicksand. It's like quicksand. I remember I was watching the news a little bit, um, and I was sitting there, and I don't care what you, what you watch, CNN, uh, MSNBC, or Fox News, they're all the same when it comes to the coronavirus thing. Let me tell you something. You're watching that, and you feel like quicksand. Like all of a sudden, I didn't even pay attention. And I looked at my watch. I was like, I've been watching this for like three hours. And they're repeating the same thing over and over again. And the more you get inundated by it, you're just slipping and slipping. And you leave wa from watching that and you, you feel terrified. You're like, man, the world is going to fall apart. Like, you know what I mean? And that's why instead of being inundated by the news media, let's be inundated by God's word. Let's be inundated by praying. Let's be inundated by serving others. Like there's so many people that we could just call, text, reach out to, to, to make sure that they're okay during this time as well. So worry. The next one is terrified. You know, it just went to a different level. Terrified. And lastly, stage four is panic. It's like panic. 
And some of us, we might have been on those lines, like, you know, like two, three hour long lines just to buy simple things. On a side note, just go to a small little store. You won't have to wait that long. <laughs> but, you know, the big stores, you go to the big store, you, you, you go to these stores, you wait such a long time. Why is everyone running like that? It's because it's really a panic. It's like, you know, if I don't get this, there's not going to be enough for me and this and that. There's so many different things. But those are the stages. Now, I want to ask you, it's like, where are you when it comes to this? It's totally okay to be stage one. I'm in stage one. I respect what's happening. Because if I wouldn't respect what's happening, how I said before, it's foolishness. But anything other than that, anything other than that, you're slipping into the enemy having more control over your mind and heart. And you don't want the enemy to do that. Something that you need to even realize is who's whispering to you. You know, when you, know, when you, when you, when you decide to do your actions, who's whispering? Is it God the one whispering? Is it wisdom whispering to you? Or is it fear whispering to you? When it comes to the enemy trying to cripple you with that. So we have to pay attention to that. The next slide that's behind me says this. It says, panic is fear. Panic is fear out of control. And faith is trust in God's control. Okay? Panic is fear out of control. When there's panic, everybody with fear is out of control. It's chaos. But faith is trust in God's control. Because I don't know about you, but before... From the time before the coronavirus to now, in my opinion, and according to God's word, God hasn't left his throne. God is still God. God is still sovereign. God is still in control. Nothing happens in this world without him allowing it to happen. We might not understand why everything is happening, but God is God. So if God hasn't changed, why has our trust changed? So if all of a sudden our faith is pretty much all of a sudden, if our faith is not anchored in God and is anchored in what you could do, what you could buy, what supplies you could use, you know, there's something really wrong in that. We have to trust God over everything. God is in control and we need to let him Fill our hearts with peace. I'm going to give you a couple key verses so that we could um, dive into God's word with this. It says this, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and this is a verse that we've heard many times. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So right there in that verse, and something I mentioned in the video that I posted of power. God's spirit is greater than the coronavirus. You know what I mean? So we need to put things in perspective. You know, if God's presence is in your life, God's power is in your life, we can't let fear cripple us. And of love, there's so many opportunities to show love and to serve others, maybe even now more than ever. Like, it could be small things. I remember I went to Stop and Shop like a week ago during the day. And I have to say that there was really almost no water left. Like all the water pretty much left. 
And I went, and there were around like eight to ten cases on the side. And I had my cart there. My cart was empty. I had nothing in my cart. And I heard the whisper of the enemy. The, the whisper of the enemy was like, yo, you better take all those cases. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you better take all those aguitas. And then all of a sudden I heard the whisper. And then all of a sudden also I, I, I saw right behind me there was a woman and a man. And guess what they want? They want water too. So I just took two, two or three, and I left the rest for them. We each took two or three, and then we all left. But if fear would have dominated, I would have just taken all of them. I, I, I had enough time. I had enough muscles to lift them up too. I've been going to Planet Fitness, driving by almost every other day. You know, just... just, just. I had enough time, I had enough muscle, and I had enough space in my car. I would have racked them up. But there's no need. There's no need to fear. And in my way to love my neighbor at that moment, and I even looked over. I was like, don't worry, guys. I'm going to leave these for you guys. Because they were, you could tell that they were nervous that I was going to take. I was like, no, loving your neighbor, we're going to share, you know, type of thing. So, so that, that's one opportunity. And of a sound mind. God doesn't want you to be tormented. God doesn't want you to be in panic. God doesn't want you to live crippled by fear. He wants you to have a sound mind to be able to make the right decisions with wisdom. Um, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Now, I just want to remind you, anything includes the coronavirus. Anything includes anything that makes you worry. Here the scripture says, don't worry about anything. And I, that, this is actually a verse that I hold deep within my own heart. Whenever I feel like I'm starting to worry, I surrender it to God. I'm like, God, you don't want me to worry. You want me to pray. And I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust you. So here, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds. Now, something I want you to realize, then and only then, only when you choose not to worry and to pray, that's when God's peace will, and as we continue, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you choose not to worry. Worrying is a choice. For some of us, we're so used to worrying, we don't even think we're making decisions to worry. It's just part of who we are. You choose to worry. You choose to think of the thoughts you're going to dwell on. You choose to act on your worry. Like it's a decision that you make. The same way you would decide to pray, you make the decision to worry. But that's your choice. Um, many of us, let me just, un poquito de agüita. That's, 
Not from the case I bought, but it's a little agüita right there. So many of us, when we think about our lives and everything we're going through, we might think, it's like, you know what? If Jesus was physically with me, I wouldn't worry as much. Does anyone feel that way? Like, you know what? Like, it's hard for me to trust and have faith in a God that I can't see. But if Jesus was physically with me, like, I wouldn't worry as much. I wouldn't be as fearful. I wouldn't be tormented. Does anyone feel like that? Like, if Jesus was physically there? I know some of us are, are, are are afraid to raise our hand. It's like, I don't know if this is a trick question. It's like, he's trying to trick me, ain't he? You know what I mean? Obviously, we know God is everywhere. God is here with us. We don't physically see him, but at the same time, we might feel it's like, you know what? If he was physically here, I wouldn't worry, but the reality is, even if he's physically here, you know, there's not that much difference when it says, like, let's say physically him being physically here and him not, obviously we're believing um, that he's everywhere anyway, because we know his spirit is everywhere. There's really no difference. If right now we allow fear to torment us, even if Jesus was physically with us, we would be allowing fear to still torment us when Jesus doesn't react or respond or do things the way that we would want him to do. And we see this clear example we're going to dive in. You could turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. We're going to read this passage, and then we're going to talk about seven questions afterwards. We're going to dive in. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said this, pay attention to this, let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind. They took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, which is a sudden violent storm. Some of us might remember uh, last year, I think it was, was in November, we had like that winter squall thing out of nowhere, like it snowed, it became windy, like out of nowhere type of thing, a big storm, this was squalid. A sudden violent storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So Jesus, he was having a siesta in the middle of all of this. The disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who's this? <laughs> Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, this is a passage many of us have read before, but I want you to even see it through a different lens and pay attention to a couple of these questions. I guarantee you that you're going to see different insights that probably you haven't seen before. The first question, and it's going to be a slide behind me, it says this, how did the disciples react to this storm? The disciples were extremely afraid, and they felt as though they were going to die. 
They thought they were going to die. Now, something we have to keep in mind is these disciples, what were they? They were fishermen. They were used to being on boats, used to being on water. But all of a sudden, a curveball came that they haven't seen before. It was like an unknown to them. They're like, we don't know how to handle this one. Very similar to the corona virus. Like all of a sudden, something different, unknown, uncertainty came out of nowhere, causing havoc, and they're literally fearing for their lives. Now, the disciples were not just only terrified and afraid, feeling as though they're going to die at that moment. They were actually also really annoyed at that moment that Jesus was sleeping through it all. Because all of a sudden, it's like the, he, they said the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So right there in the middle of them being afraid, they were annoyed that Jesus was sleeping. Okay? And some of us, even at this moment in our lives, sometimes God might seem like he's sleeping in our lives because he doesn't move the way that we expect him to move. He's not responding the way that we think he should respond. But I want to remind all of us that he's God, and his vantage point is completely different than ours, and we have to trust him over everything. So the second question is this, why do you think the disciples woke Jesus up? Why do you think um, that he woke Jesus up? Because when you think about it, they were just terrified, but at the same time, did they, woke, did they wake Jesus up because they wanted Jesus to calm the storm or just really to vent to him that they, they were all going to die? Because at that moment, he, he said, the disciples woke him up and it said, teacher, don't you care if we die? You know what I mean? Like, if we drown, that we also included Jesus. It's like, don't you care that we drown? Because think about it too. They were so in shock when Jesus calmed the storm. They were in shock. So they weren't asking Jesus at that moment to calm the storm. They were really just terrified, crippled with fear, tormented by fear, and pretty much venting and lashing out, being annoyed and angry. It's like, Jesus, how could you sleep while we all die? You're going to die too. We're all going to drown. And that's how they, they viewed it at that moment. And with the third question, why are the disciples still terrified even after Jesus calmed the storm? They were still terrified after Jesus calmed the storm. They were terrified. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you. In verse 41, it says this. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, this fear was not produced by the storm, but it was actually produced by the calm. The calm of the storm actually produced them to be afraid. They're like, who is this? You know, like that all of a sudden the wind and the waves obey him. All of a sudden their fear shifted. Before their fear was on the storm, and then their fear shifted to God's power. 
So where are we focused on when it comes to looking at God? Are our eyes fixed on God or is our, God, our eyes fixed on the fear? Because God's power is greater than the storm. God's power is greater than anything that we're going through. God's power is greater than the coronavirus. God's power is greater over everything in our whole entire life. And here in this passage, you see that the calm after the storm terrified the disciples. Because all of a sudden they got a taste. It's like, wait a second. I thought I was terrified and afraid of the storm, of this squall that came out of nowhere. All of a sudden I'm now terrified at the fact that God is able to calm the storms and the wind as well. So for us, where are we fixed, our eyes fixed on? We need to be, uh, have our eyes fixed on God. Question number four, what did the disciples ask each other in this verse? In, in verse 41, they asked, who is this? Those were the disciples of Jesus, and they still asked, who is this? Because you know what? Fear, and when you allow fear to cripple you, it makes you forget about God. It makes you forget about who God is. It makes you forget about who is the Lord of your life and who you surrendered everything to. When fear cripples you, all of a sudden you won't be able, be able to spot God even if he's in front of you. Like, who is this? It's like, hello. Like, I, I wish maybe in the message version or another version, Jesus would have said, hello, I've been with you all this time. You're my disciples and you don't know who I am? Like for each of us, as we live out this life, you need to realize when you fix your eyes on fear, you start to forget about who God is. When you start fixing your eyes on fear, all of a sudden fear gets, becomes greater than God in your life. You forget who he is, what he does, the power he, he has, his sovereignty, his control, everything that God is and does. Have we forgotten, like, how many things he's gotten us out of in the past? Remember when you started your journey with God? All the trials you went through? All the storms you went through? All the hard times you've gone through? And you're still here. You're still standing. God's brought you through a lot of storms in your life. But all of a sudden, when we fix our eyes on the wind and the waves, we tend to forget who he is. And then we could even become surprised when he moves. It's like, who's this? Wait a second. Oh, God, I forgot who you were. God wants to be ever-present at this moment. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, in the middle of the storm, Jesus wasn't sweating. He wasn't sweating. Just the fact Jesus was sleeping. Like, like think about that for a second. Jesus was sleeping, taking a nap, taking a siesta, and everyone around them thought they were going to die. It's like, and I don't know about you, but if it was a violent, sudden storm, that boat wasn't like, like rocking Jesus to sleep. Like, you know what I mean? That boat must have been like, por acá, por allá. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it must have been, and, and Jesus is like, I'm just going to keep sleeping. I'm not going to get up type of thing. It's like 
the same peace that Jesus had in the middle of that storm is the same peace he wants to give you in the middle of the storms of our lives. That in the middle of the storm that you might be going through, whatever it is, the coronavirus, whatever other thing that might come your, in your life, that you would be able to fall asleep in peace. In peace. And if you can't fall asleep in peace, and if you don't have peace in your heart, number one, you've been looking at the waves and the storms too much. And number two, you've fixed your eyes on something else other than Jesus. Because in Jesus, there's peace. So you need to decide what you're focusing your eyes on. Because God wants you to have peace in the middle of everything. Fear can make you forget who your God is. Question number five, what does Jesus do after the disciples had that close call with death? In verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He pretty much scolded them. He's like, why are you still afraid? Why are you afraid? Why don't you have faith? Like, you would think that Jesus, like, think about this. You think Jesus would come next to him and be like, you guys, I understand. It's like, it was very scary, wasn't it? Like, you know, I'm sorry for sleeping a little bit long. My siesta went an hour beyond what I est uh, estimated. It's like, let me sit next to you and comfort you. Let me give you a big hug. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no. Jesus didn't comfort them. Jesus didn't just, like, encourage them, give them a pat in the back, say, I get it. This one was a rough one. It's like, you'll get it next time. It's like, no. He pretty much said, why are you afraid? Think about that. He literally said, it's like, why are you afraid? There's absolutely no reason to be in terror. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be in panic. There's no reason to be crippled in fear. Absolutely no reason. Why are you afraid? And Jesus, right now, this moment, he's looking within each of our hearts and asking the same question, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And you're the only one that could answer that. But he expects us not to allow fear to cripple us. Because to me, it's like the more we allow fear to cripple us, it's just a reflection of how pretty much less we're trusting in God. The more trust we have in God, the less the fear, okay? The more fear we have, the less the trust. So it's, it, you need to decide where you're at, but God wants you to have the trust. And then he says this, do you still have no faith? We need to trust God over everything and have faith in him. Question number six, is there evidence in the passage that Jesus meant to enter this storm as a test of the disciples' faith? Any evidence in the passage? And we see that in verse 35. It says, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Jesus, it was Jesus' idea to get on that boat to go to the other side at that moment. It was his idea to pretty much bring the disciples through this. And it was his choice to even take a nap or sleep during that moment. In the midst of everything... He was testing the faith of even his disciples at that moment. 
God tests all of us. He's constantly testing us also so that we would be able to see what's within our own hearts and grow. I believe that all of us, we could grow through this. God wants you to pretty much anchor your trust in God like never before. Let your roots um, in your relationship with God go deeper and grow through this. So here we see Jesus, and it was Jesus' idea to go to the other side. And the last question I have is this, question seven. In what areas of your life are you tempted to respond with fear rather than faith? Now that's a question that I can't answer. You alone could answer that question. What are the things in your life that you're choosing to respond by fear rather than by faith? Because God wants you to be a prayerful person, a child of God, a prayerful child of um, God. He wants you to be someone that worships him in the midst of everything. He wants you to be someone that trusts him no matter what the news is saying, no matter what the world is saying. He wants you to be someone that shines brightly because you know what? The darker the world gets, the brighter you will shine. The darker the sky is, the brighter the stars are. So in the same way, in the middle of this chaos, how I said before, the world needs a fearless church in the midst of a fearful world. What's the difference then if we're terrified and panicked the same way the world is? What's the difference there? So for all of us here, I want you to answer that question. Like, what are you responding to in your life? Are you responding in fear or in faith? As we get close now to close the service, we're going to, it's funny because Pastor Debbie didn't know I was going to use Psalm 91 as part of my teaching. And we're going to read Psalm 91 now. But we're not just going to read it. It's going to be our prayer as well. And I want you to allow God's word to fill your heart and mind. I want you to allow God to build faith within you through the word of God. I want you to even put aside every fear and uh, surrender it to God. Realizing that God is God. He's in control. He's sovereign. He's the one that sees everything. He's the one that surrounds you. He's the one that goes before you. He's to your side. He's behind you. He's in you. You know, God is not sweating at all in the middle of all this um, stuff that's happening in the world. And we shouldn't either. Because we, our trust is in God and God alone. So even now, as we're going to read through this verse, if you're able to, if you could stand to your feet, Because we're going to read this together as a church in prayer. And also, if you have it, also you could could open your Bibles, you could open your um, phone to Psalm 91. We're going to do this in prayer. But the whole Psalm 91, we're going to read the uh, NIV, NIV. Um, uh, We're going to do the entire Psalm. But as we do this in prayer... We're also praying not only for ourselves, but for our families. We're praying and declaring this over our community, over our city. 
We're praying this and declaring it over the state, over the a country, over the world. It's like, God, you're sovereign. But I'm going to highlight, too, the, the, the part that, the, just the beginning, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now think about that. It's whoever dwells right there, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That's a choice and a decision. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, it's not everybody, is your choice to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And then it says right afterwards, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You will rest. You will nap. You will sleep in peace in the middle of any storm you might be going through because you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. But that's your choice to dwell. And something that I love about the word dwell, you know, it's not like those that come in and out. Yes, we're here Sunday morning. You're coming in and out. No, no, no. Dwell is a constant state. You're dwelling. So it's not like coming to church. It doesn't say those who come to church um, pretty much um, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. No, it doesn't say that. It's that those that dwell in the shelter of the Most High. So if you dwell, spending time with God, having your, your heart pretty much in that position of surrender and trust in God, no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, no matter if you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're in the supermarket, whether you're walking through the street, whether you're helping someone else, you're dwelling and being in God's presence surrendering him, uh, um, everything to him and trusting in him over everything. So we're going to read this, and after we read this as a prayer, Pastor Harold is going to guide us in worship as well. And we're going to pray this, we're going to worship, and afterwards I'm going to come out to close us in prayer. You could read this as well um, with me. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow, arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the servant. 
Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to highlight even now the part that even Pastor Debbie highlighted. It says, because he loves me, because he or she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and her. I will protect them, for they acknowledge my name. Now think about that. They acknowledge my name. We have a choice to either acknowledge fear or to acknowledge God in the midst of this. So even now, as you pray that, I want you to close your eyes And what stood out to you during that verse, I want you to even whisper it back to him as Pastor Harold guides us in this time. Father God, as we're gathered here, even now our hearts, we just surrender it to you. God, even now we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for allowing the terror that the enemy has been even fueling throughout this entire world cripple us and paralyzing us to the point that we forget who you are, God. God, right now we come before you and we surrender everything to you. We fix our eyes on you. We trust you. We pray to you, God. We are not going to worry anymore, God, but we're going to commit ourselves to pray, Lord God, to pray for our families, pray for our friends, pray for our city, our community, for our school system, for our government, pray for our state, pray for our country, to pray for the world, and as other things come to our minds as well. God, we want to walk in faith, God, and not in fear, God. So God, we pray, Lord God, that you would just shine brightly through us, God. God, shine brightly through us during this time period so we could show the world what it is, Lord, to have a relationship with you. Let's shine brightly as there's so many opportunities around us to encourage others, to bring peace to others, God, to be able to help others, God. Open our eyes to be able to see how we can make a difference instead of wanting just to isolate ourselves and not be around other people at all, God. God, we pray, Lord God, that you would just have your way, Lord God, in the midst of all this. But we do stand in the gap even now. We pray, Lord God, for our city, our state, our country, God, especially even now and the countries throughout this world, especially the ones that are trying to overcome and not fully been uh, infected by this virus. God, we pray, Lord God, that everything would be diminished, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that the cases would go down, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that even there would be miracles and stories of how they saw things change and that they would be a turnaround. But God, in the midst of everything, we trust in your sovereignty, God. And we pray no matter what the report is, we pray that our hearts would still be committed to you Lord God, and that we would shine for you no matter what, always. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. Before you leave, before you leave, I do have another announcement.